Welcome back to the Emergency Goalies. Uh, we'll, I'll do a little uh, announcement at the start. Um, my co-host, Michael, is going through an upper body injury right now. I'll just say he's got a sore throat. So I might do a little bit more of the talking on this episode, but uh, you will still get his great commentary sometimes, so don't worry. But we actually have some games to recap today, so... Uh, the Blackhawks played three games this last week. Uh, their first game was against the, at the time, 0-4 San Jose Sharks. And this was an exciting game, I will say that. Uh, the Blackhawks jumped to an early lead. Uh, Dominic Kubalik, who I think I said his name right, um, scored his first career NHL goal to start the scoring, and then the Sharks answered. And uh, this is a theme that continued for a lot of the night. Then Andrew Shaw scored his first goal back with the Blackhawks, and the Sharks answered again to make it 2-2. Then Shaw scored again to make it 3-2, and the Sharks scored to make it 3-3. And the Blackhawks scored to make it 4-3, Dylan Strome this time, and then the Sharks, who now have Patrick Marlowe back, and he scored his second goal of the night to tie it at 4. And then a defensive breakdown in the third period led to the Sharks getting the winning goal, and the Blackhawks lost 5-4. to four. So, you were kind of hoping with a 0-4 team that you'd get a better result, but that's not what happened. So, then, a night, two nights later, the Blackhawks played the Jets, and a rare Saturday night home game, which of course only happens when the Bulls are not yet playing, but uh, we got that, and the Blackhawks actually jumped up to a, a quick 2 nothing lead. Uh, Brendan Saad scored a shorthand to go, and uh, Brent Seabrook, you know, he doesn't do much right anymore, but he can still shoot, and he uh, drilled a power play goal to make it 2 nothing in the first period. And then, of course, the Blackhawks has, has been their, I don't want to say their pattern the last year plus, but it seems to happen a lot. They... Kind of did not play very good the rest of the game after a strong first period. Uh, the Jets scored one in the second and one in the third to tie the score, and then the game went to overtime. And again, much like last year, the Blackhawks quickly lost in overtime. Um, Mark Shifley scoring the winning goal just 47 seconds into overtime. So it was a 3-2 defeat, but the Blackhawks got their first point of the 2019 season, so... That's something. And then, of course, we move to Monday. And, you know, hockey being hockey, they lost to the 0-4 Sharks. They took on the 5-0 Oilers. And, of course, the Blackhawks won. Uh, Patrick Kane scored the first goal in the second period to give the Blackhawks a 1-0 lead. And Alex Nylander, demoted to the fourth line, got a turnover in his, in the offensive zone and scored a goal to make it 2-0. So... Of course, the Oilers would not go completely quietly with their high-flying offense, and uh, James Neal scored a goal very late with, like, about two minutes left in the in the game on a power play in a six-on-four situation. But Brandon Saad, who I'll talk about in a little bit, but has been, I think, the Blackhawks' best player so far this season, scored an empty net goal to give the Blackhawks a 3-1 victory in their uh, first victory of the season. So it was a three out of six possible points. Not great, but 
pretty good considering they're playing a very good Oilers team. So I'll kick it to you, Michael, for a little bit. But, you know, what do you think of these three games? Something to hope for? I mean, the winning the, the Oilers game was definitely a good sign. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it certainly gives you hope that they're that they were at least trending the the right way in these games. Uh, the The Sharks game uh, was a back and forth affair. You kind of discussed it. I think it was uh, they Hawks would go up by a goal and they'd give up a goal and they'd go up by a goal and give up a goal and um, the defensive effort uh, was just not up to par in that game. It was very similar to a lot of the breakdowns we've seen over the last year or so. So that was not a, uh, you know, n- not the ideal start to the homestand. Uh, but, you know, they, they were able to capitalize on some goals, so it wasn't a total loss. Um, and then following that up, um, you know, they took the 2-0 lead still and, and weren't able to hold it. Um, but they did at least battle hard enough to to still, you know, get a point out of the game. And then on Monday night against the Oilers, um, you know, that was one of their more complete efforts uh, that we've seen from the team in quite some time. They were taking on a red-hot Oilers team, um, a team that I, I'm, I don't actually believe is very good. Um, they're more middle of the road at best, but um, they had gotten off to a hot start. They were scoring a lot of goals, and the Hawks were able to limit them, uh, especially the uh, Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl, those 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 big horses that they have. Um, the, uh, um, the the David Camp line with Brandon Saad and uh, Dominic Kubalik. Dominic Kubelik, um really uh, did a number on them. Uh, the Hawks' uh, possession numbers when that line was out there against McDavid was heavily slanted in the Hawks' favor. Much of the action took place in the offensive zone, and pretty much the only threat, um, the only the only offensive threats that uh, McDavid and Drysaitel got were when the Oilers were able to get those guys out there uh, against a different line. So, you know, you had mentioned Brandon Saad um, has probably been the Blackhawks' best player, um, and that has definitely been their best line. Um, That trio is, you know, three guys with above-average size, above-average speed. Uh, Kubelik's got the big shot. Brandon Saad's good at driving to the net, and David Kampf is... You know, very solid defensively, even if he's doesn't have great hands in the offensive zone. So yeah, that's at what, least yeah, that's what I was going to yeah, add go. too. Like um, with the Sharks and the Oilers, I did make this point about you know the Sharks were zero and four and the Oilers were five and zero, but I think those two teams are probably pretty close to each other in actual ability. Yeah. It was just the starts were kind of skewing that. Yeah, definitely. So. You know the, the the really nice thing out of the Edmonton game was they played three solid periods of hockey, and the second period in particular, which has been just a 
a real bugaboo for the Blackhawks over the last year. It's it's the the period where they've tended to get just cratered um, in terms of possession and um, goal differential. And the Blackhawks had probably their best second period that I can remember in quite some time. They dominated the play in that period, and it was just it was a really good effort all around. Um, you know, we we still got a couple of iffy spots in the lineup that are still causing some problems. The the Mata Seabrook pairing has been getting just killed, um, but they seem to be the, the the Hawks seem to be settling in with those other two pairings as their top two pairings. So now that gonna, Murphy's yeah, healthy gonna, and DeHaan's yeah, healthy. I was going to ask that. So what are your thoughts? I know it's only been like two games on Murphy and DeHaan. Do you feel good about their play? Or? Yeah, yeah. Um, Murphy's been really solid. Um, they, they switched it up so that he's pairing with Duncan Keith, and that's worked out really well for the Hawks. Um, that's kind of become their top their top pairing. And uh, it, at least so far, Murphy's been able to avoid some of the dumb penalties that he takes. Um, that was really my only complaint about his game last year was he just he put the team down shorthanded too often. Um, but at least so far, that um, he's been able to limit that. I think he's only got one penalty in his three games. So that's good to see. And Keith seemed to uh, tighten up a little bit. He's still making some uncharacteristic turnovers and um his game is definitely not as clean as it we you know we've Mm -hmm. seen it in the past but um that that solid there that that pairing has been fairly solid and then the dehan gustafson pairing uh, i think is a it's it's a good match there where dehan's very much a stay-at-home defenseman and it allows gustafson a little bit more freedom to uh you know jump up into plays and uh, I did see an interview with Gustafson where uh, he admitted he's kind of fighting the puck right now. We haven't really seen him, you know, at his best uh, okay, I was, I was gonna say that, offensively like, yeah. yet. He hasn't really done, like, on power plays and stuff. He hasn't been quite as good as he was last year. Of course, it's early, so. Yeah, yeah. I think it's just a, a little bit of lack of confidence right now. Um, he's just not carrying the puck a lot, and he's just not driving play. Um, you know the way that we we saw him able to do last year, but you know, like like I said, I, I think he's he's got a good pairing right now. I think they're they're developing a little bit of a comfort level between the two of them. So I'm I'm hopeful uh, we'll see here um, in these next few games coming up that uh, perhaps he can um, you know get jump started a little bit, and then you know that that'll help the power play and you know everything. So yeah. Yeah, so that's what, that's what we're hoping for anyway. Um, I'll just I'm trying to think of a couple other topics that, yeah, the the Seabrook thing is just like, I mean, I I don't I don't want to harp on it because we everyone knows the situation, but yeah. he should not be on an NHL defense. Like, I mean, they should have in a perfect world you would have someone like a Bo Quist or if they'd kept um, um, you know Yoki Haru, someone like that paired up with Mata because. Having Mata, who's not a not a fast defenseman, a stay at home defenseman, with Seabrook, who's also a stay at home defenseman, is not a good combination. Yeah, it, it, it's definitely been in a, a really big issue. They they've just been getting hemmed in in the defensive zone, um, pretty much every shift. Um, the The good thing is, I 
I am kind of expecting that to end up being the third pairing. I think we're going to see those guys' uh, ice time diminish um, now Now that that top four is being solidified a bit. So, you know, as long as everybody stays healthy, um, you know, I, 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 you know, I just like everybody else, you know, would love to see the Blackhawks, you know, sit Brent Seabrook at least on a semi-regular basis. Um, but at this point, that's, you know, it's probably still a little too early. That uh, that pairing was solid for the Blackhawks in the preseason. It was actually a very good pairing for them in the preseason. One of the, f- <laughs> one of the few things of the Blackhawks team that, that performed well uh, consistently during the preseason. But, you know, once the regular season started, it's completely turned around on them. And, you know, uh, it's a concern that I had right from the beginning with that line is they're just, they're, they're struggling to win 50, 50 battles. They're, they're not able to get back on dump and chase and they're not standing up at the blue line. So they're not even forcing that much dump and chase. They're, they're just allowing way too many easy entries into the offensive zone. So they're just they're just playing on their heels all the time. Yeah. And the lack of speed is definitely an issue there. So, you know, we'll see. Um, I you know, the Blackhawks are definitely going to give Seabrook a chance. Um, we know that considering his contract. Yeah. But, you know, if he if he continues playing like this, I would certainly hope that as the season progresses, they'll start uh, factoring in some other guys. Yeah, you'd hope so. Um, so I'll, I'll do one more point, which. And then we'll get to the um, preview for the upcoming games. But, you know, the one thing that does make me feel better about this, that the start's been kind of uneven, but, uh, you know, the big guns for the Blackhawks have not gotten going. Uh, Patrick Kane, Jonathan Tate, and DeBrinkett have not done much in these games. So, I mean, they will. I mean, you'd hope. I mean, just the law of averages, they will get hot at some point. And if if the, you know... Sods and camps of the world are playing this well. If those other guys get going, then you've got a pretty deep team. That's the hope, anyway. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, we've seen in the past DeBrinket is a fairly streaky scorer, and right now he's on a bit of a cold streak, although I think he does have one goal. Um, I think he got a goal in the first game, mm-hmm. but um, he, he he definitely hasn't been showing up much in, in the offensive zone. He's barely got any shots on goal this year and uh uh, Kane and Taves have just been getting killed in possession whenever they've been out on the ice although both of them I thought played a little better um in this past game so it it, you know hopefully they're trending up and it's just a matter of time before those guys start clicking yeah so I guess we'll uh I won't strain your voice much more we'll get to a preview of the upcoming games uh, there are three games uh, before we were going to do our next podcast. So uh, the Blackhawks are off for, you know, their last game was Monday, and they're not going to play again until Friday. So they have a little bit of a rest. But um, Friday night they play the diminished. This, I should add, all three of these games are home games. And so just a heads up, they've got four more home games before they go out on the road for the first time. Um Okay, so Friday night at 7.30 Central Time, they take on the 
diminished Columbus Blue Jackets, who no longer have our Temi Panarin or Sergei Bobrovsky, but, you know, they're still have some young guys that are pretty good, so, you know, you can't take them for granted. But um, then Sunday at 6 o'clock Central Time, oh, those early Sunday games, um, Alexander Ovechkin and the Capitals uh, come in for a game. And I don't, I haven't closely followed the Capitals, but I think they've kind of struggled early in the year. So, but they have some firepower, so you can never take them for granted. And then Tuesday night at 7.30 Central Time, the Vegas Golden Knights come in to play. And uh, Vegas looks like they have a pretty good team again, at least so far in the year. They've been playing pretty good. So, And the Blackhawks had big struggles with Vegas last year and the year before. So, Yeah, it's, it's, it's three tough games for the Hawks. Um, like you said, the Blue Jackets can't be taken lightly despite, you know, the, the losses of Panarin and Bobrovsky and Duchesne. Um, they're, they're still a pretty talented team. Um, they're, they're just pretty young right now. And so they're going to have some ups and downs, but they skate hard and they still have a fairly deep lineup despite not having as many household names as they once did. Um, so they're definitely, you know, a team the Blackhawks have to be prepared for. And then, yeah, I mean, you're talking about two of the better teams in the league with Washington and Vegas back-to-back. That's that's not going to be an easy road to hold uh, at all for the Hawks. Um, they've struggled with both of those teams um, in the recent past, and, you know, for good reason, like I said, they're good teams and the Blackhawks haven't been a good team of late but you know I think if they can split those two games that would be you know a good win <laughs> you know uh, 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 the Hawks would take that and then you know you'd hope uh, that they can uh, maybe get two points out of the Columbus game uh, that would be I would consider that a, a, a fairly nice Outcome is to be able to get four out of six points from these from these three games. Yeah, that's it. I, I would agree with that. And you know, you you never know. I mean, they did seem like the Oilers were high flying, and they got them. So you never know. But and hopefully these uh the you know are the core of the team, uh, Kane, Tabes, and Debrinket start playing better because if they are on on their game, the Blackhawks can be a tough team to beat. So, but we'll, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the Hawks can score with anybody if they're hot. And, you know, if they got all those guns firing, um, you know, they can hang a six spot on anybody. So, you know, it's – you'd like to I – would, I would love to, to, to hope that the Hawks can continue to play, a, you know, a, a full three periods like they did against Edmonton, um, you know, in at least a couple of these games coming up. But – the caliber of the competition is much higher in these next three games than it has been in the previous three games. So this will be a really good test for the Hawks. Yep. And I, I will just say to add, uh, I'm happy that you played through the pain of your throat to yeah. put the podcast. And- yeah. I've been trying to throw my mic on mute, um, to mask most of the coughing. So, um, you know, hopefully, uh, 
when we post this, there there won't be too many interruptions with that. Yep. So. All right. So, um, as always, I'm STH85 on Twitter, and Michael, you are? MJ underscore Ernst. Yep, and you can always listen to our podcast on the Apple uh, Podcast Store. Just look up, look it up there. And if any of you have some other places you like to listen to it, just uh, send us a message on Twitter and say what other places you'd like to listen to the podcast, and we can add it on there. So anyway, uh, thank you as always for listening, and go Hawks. Go Hawks. <laughs>